Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I am a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. And there are special interests that are also less than enthusiastic about you knowing about these studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illnesses. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently referred to as functional medicine, and it has been adopted by thousands of doctors, as well as some medical schools and hospitals, such as the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled, When Does Disease Really Begin and How to Prevent It? Dr. Benz, how are you? Fine. How are you, Aubrey? I'm doing well, thank you. This is, this is my favorite topic. Everything that I've been <laughs> doing for the last 25 years has really been based on this um, because it it just seemed to me to be quite unacceptable that we had all these high rates of disease. And the more that I dug into it, the more I found out that it really wasn't necessary, that really 90% of most of these chronic illnesses could be prevented. But I didn't really know where to begin. Uh, I read Mm -hmm. as much as I could on the topic and sure, everybody has their theories about you know eating better and and doing a lot of things that you know, exercise and sleep and stress reduction. Everybody had a lot of ideas. I wanted to find out exactly why and how it was actually happening. And about ten or twelve years ago, I started to work with a device called electrodermal screening. And electrodermal screening is a device that looks at your acupuncture points and measures the electrical output of the mitochondria in your cells and can give you an actual score for every one of your organs in terms of your mitochondria activity. And the thing that was interesting is there was a normal range, like out of a scale of 100, like 45 to 55 was the normal amount of electrical output coming out of your cells. But if it was higher than 55, then those cells were stressed. And if it was lower than 45, those cells were weakened. And that's when it hit me, like, you know, you get these aha moments. And I thought, wait a minute. What if that first stage of cellular deterioration is when cells become stressed? And the second stage is when they are so stressed for so long that they become weakened. And so I started to look into this and I ran into something called thermography. And, you know, thermography looks at the woman's breast and tries to figure out whether there's any heat being generated there. Uh, It could be vascular growth. It could be changes in the mitochondria. But there's energy being uh, expressed there. And these thermography units, they can actually see that. And they identify as little as 200 cells that are actually starting to heat up or get this vascular growth. And I looked at some of the research. There were like 800 studies that showed that this thing, this thermography really worked. 
And I even looked at the FDA guidelines and it said thermography was an adjunct therapy for breast cancer. Uh, but it had to be used after you did mammography. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. Because you need 4 billion cells in a tumor to see anything in mammography. And even it's only then a 65% probability of success. But the thermography unit only needs 200 cells. And it has a 95% accuracy. And I thought, something's wrong here. I think we should be doing the thermography first. <laughs> and mammograms or ultrasound second. So to me, that was the aha moment. And I thought to myself, breast cancer is something that every woman is very, very concerned about. I started immediately guiding women to thermography as a way to get their, their breast examined. And I started to understand that it wasn't a prediction of disease. It was a prediction of physiological change, of cellular change. So you really can't say that thermography is a device that, that it predicts or diagnoses it. And so we never say that, but what it does do is it measures the physiological changes in the body. So that's when it started to hit me that there's something to this whole stressed and weakened thing. And the more I looked at it, the more I found out there were actual blood tests and urine tests and other tests that could determine when your body is making these cellular changes. Now, how much of the research that you've been able to do over the years or see over the years has led you in a similar direction? I think a lot has. Um, you know, it's hard for me to quantify how much because I feel like it's been pieces that are picked up from this study and that study from integrative and holistic doctors as well as functional medicine doctors. And you know, I think what really led me to this understanding is when I started looking at chronic diseases, the underlying factor of all chronic diseases is a state of inflammation for years prior to that chronic disease manifesting itself. And I agree with you, this concept of a, there being a stressed cell and then it being weakened because of stress responses repeatedly. And I always come at it from the nutritional perspective of like, how many times are we grabbing that fast food? or that soda, right? We're doing that on a regular routine. And all of those are essentially inflammatory markers being released within our systems that are weakening our cell responses and therefore weakening our immune systems. And it doesn't have to just be dietary. It can be getting in frequent arguments or hating the job that we're working in. Like all of these are aspects within holistic medicine um, and the dimensions of wellness that are explored. But any time of that inflammation, any time we are exposed to that inflammation, we see that stressing, the stress and the weakening of our cellular responses, which is just like the perfect storm, if you will, for setting us up for illness. Mm -hmm. Well, you you just nailed a really good one because uh, when I was looking at heart disease, everybody always would say, "Well, you have to look at cholesterol. You know, you have to make sure you're looking at cholesterol." And then I read an article that said 50% of people who have a heart attack have perfect cholesterol levels. And I thought, wait a minute, what's wrong with that? And the more I looked at it, the more I realized that cholesterol was actually a pretty good thing. It actually helps the body to make vitamin D and a lot of other hormones. And yet the medications that are out there uh, that are aimed at people who have heart disease are 
promoting it as something very beneficial. And when you look at the study that they actually did on statin drugs, the Lipitor, you know that only one person actually has a longer survival rate out of 100 people that are actually on Lipitor. And mm-hmm. later on, Dr. Dr. Mark Hyman had that figure at 150. So 150 people have to take Lipitor before one person lives longer. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that level of efficacy is just unacceptable. <laughs> so then I started reading Life Extension magazines, and all of a sudden I found out what you did about uh, inflammation. And I found about this thing called C-reactive protein and another a test called homocysteine test. And I looked at this and I thought, you know what? This is the test that people should really be going for. They shouldn't be going for whether their cholesterol is too high or not, because another study from MIT found out that the people with the highest cholesterol levels were living the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it does matter whether they're small particles or large particles or puffy particles or non-puffy particles and what the ratio is. You know, it should be two or three to one LDL to HDL. So I'm not saying cholesterol is not a factor, but it's not the number one thing in, in, in my estimation. So I think you're right that the inflammation is probably the cornerstone of almost every chronic illness. So when I found all this different research coming out, I said, you know what? There's at least five different stages of cellular deterioration here. And, the, and, and so the first work that I did 10 or 15 years ago was five stages being stressed, weakened, dysfunctional, mutated, and diseased. And in, in, in the dysfunctional or the third category, usually that's where disease is diagnosed because that's when you get to the high blood pressure, the high blood sugar, uh, the high cholesterol. You get to all these markers that conventional medicine uses. By then, you've already been on your way to that disease for five or ten years. Exactly. And so that's when I thought, well, wait a minute. When you look at that thermography, those 200 cells that are going on that's eight to 10 years before the mammograms can see anything. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when, you, when you look at other markers like uh, the C-reactive protein, that's another one that you can see so much earlier than this dysfunctional stage. And so that's when I started to say, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we can start to see that there's actual tests that we can do that can find these things. Like when your, when your uh, cortisol is high. All right, we know. That what's that? That's a measure of what? Stress, Stress. responses and inflammation. And, right. I, and I would add in there like cell, cell varied cortisol levels and also white blood cell counts. Like these are all beautiful markers that are not necessarily routinely tested. And the interleukins where we can see the level of inflammation residing in the body, but also the, you know, that concept of Cellular deterioration means that the immune system is becoming compromised and lowering. So we're less effective and less responsive of really being in a state of health and well-being. Yep, that's exactly it. And, and so after, after a, a lot of research over several years, I actually added another, another level to this. It used to be the five stages of cellular deterioration. Now it's the six stages of cellular deterioration because I added a new number three, calling it challenged. 
And so now it's stressed, weakened, challenged, dysfunctional, mutated, and diseased. And, and so I have a, a definition of each one of these. So in the case of, of the stress, we, we know that it's some of these markers that we talked about, but we know that it's, it happens because of toxins coming into the body. We know that it's poor nutrition, and we know that it's stress, and we know that it's poor sleep. And so we know that the body starts to react to that in a kind of a hyperactive way. Cells want to do their jobs. And so if they get challenged, they just ramp up the energy because they think that's a way that they can continue to do the jobs they've been assigned to do. And that's what people don't understand. Every cell has a job to do. And so if you get groups of these cells that are stressed and not doing their job, then you can get that measurement. Originally, it was through this electrodermal screening, but now we know it can be through these different tests like C-reactive protein and cortisol and uh, homocysteine. I mean, uh, I started to do some work on the brain and I found out that homocysteine, which really measures uh, vitamin B6 and B12 and folic acid, if you don't have those three things in combination, you can't produce neurotransmitters. You can't produce hormones. So now I got an insight into all these different brain-related illnesses, whether it's depression or schizophrenia or anxiety or even Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. They all start with bad homocysteine levels because if you don't have amino acids being broken down with those three nutrients, you will not be able to produce any neurotransmitters in your brain or at least a very limited amount. So those insights started to say, okay, okay, I'm getting it now. Now the cells go weak on you. Now they don't function properly. Now the cells that are weak, they start to reach out to other cells for help. They just looking for any kind of improvement or uh, compensation that they can. But basically, as you've said, the immune system's starting to weaken now and other systems are starting to be challenged. So that's when the word challenged came up to the third category, because that's when I thought, okay, this is when enzymes and other biochemicals are actually starting to you know, degrade and inflammation is increasing in the cell replacement process. You know, all these cells in our body, most of them anyway, are being replaced on a regular basis. But if you don't have the right nutrients and if these cells are challenged, then that replacement process gets to be deteriorated and you don't make as good of cells as you did previously. And that what's, that's what eventually leads to DNA damage. And now we know there's an actual test that can determine whether there's a, a DNA damage is accumulating in your body. It's called the 8-OHGD test. It's a urine test. But knowing this, we're still three stages ahead of disease actually forming. Imagine how many diseases that allows us to actually see ahead of time with that test that says your DNA is actually deteriorating. And so we add that to the other ones like the uh, inflammation and the cortisol and all the others you and I just mentioned along with this test of the 8-OHGD. Now we have a picture of our cells behavior and we can say, wait a minute, we've got fibrosis happening here. 
We have DNA damage happening here. We have cell function changing. We have cell replacement changing. We can find that out in all three of these steps before we even have any dysfunction showing up in a regular conventional doctor's blood test. I, I think that's the answer because all those three steps, that's five to 10 years before disease actually happens. So <laughs> I don't know when you get the dysfunction. Yeah. Okay. You want to address those things that aren't working like blood sugar and, and things like that. But you know, if you go to the next stage and, and you've got cells that are mutated, that means the nucleus in your, in your cells is now scarred and, and not working properly. And, and, and now you're really uh, on a downward uh, uh, level towards more cancer and more heart disease and more diabetes and more Alzheimer's and more Parkinson's. There was actually a really interesting study um, that was looking at um, kidney disease. And so they had a lot of people on dialysis. And so they actually gave these people 180 milligrams of coenzyme Q10. And in uh, 90 days, 50% of them were able to get off their dialysis. So I have more fun with this with doctors when I'm at a conference and I go, so what do you guys do when you have somebody on dialysis? What's the next step? You know, can you, oh no, you have to do a kidney transplant then. And I go, well, you mean you can't do anything to reverse that? Oh no, you can't, you can't do anything to reverse that. And I go, what if I told you there was one nutrient that could reduce the chances of, uh, of, of you uh, having to stay on dialysis by 50%? Would, would you buy that? Oh, no, that can't happen. I showed them the study, and they were incredulous. And they looked at me like, where did you get that study from? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so what do you think was the case? Why did the other 50% not be able to get off their dialysis? Because a majority, when the cells are stressed and weakened and challenged, you know, I, my theory was that, that 10 or 20% of all the cells were in each of those four, five categories. At that time, it was the five, five stages. And I said, so what happens is if you go further into this disease, then more cells become mutated and diseased. If 80 or 90% of your cells are mutated or diseased, you can't get off your dialysis. But if you're early on, on your onset of, of kidney disease and you're on dialysis because now some of your cells are stressed and weakened. They're all, they're all in a problem situation. But just with the coenzyme Q10 at 180 milligrams, they were able to get the challenged cells, the weakened cells, and the stressed cells to go back to a normal function. I mean, did, do, you have any, do you have any other you know, interesting anecdotes or studies like that that have showed that people have been able to get return to normal because they got these cells back to some normal function? Yeah, I mean, I think you're building the the case and the statement that what we're really talking about with health and well-being is cellular health, mitochondrial health. That's really, it pre is the precursor to organ health or diabetes or cancer or heart disease. And so there's several studies that have been replicated multiple times on uh, what happens when one we play with different types of animal proteins we play with different stress responses or we have individuals that go specifically to a plant-based diet or a vegan diet that are rich that have diets that are richer in phytochemicals which the phytochemicals are what we know from a nutritional research perspective to target cellular responses and cellular integrity and those 
research trials show within a matter of anywhere from 30 days to six weeks, you can see complete reversal of a lot of the markers that we uh, regularly diagnose within type 2 diabetes and within cardiovascular disease. And we can see um, differences within cancer reduction and cancer cell growth as well from making those bigger changes towards a phytochemically rich diet. Well, I think that uh, you're leading me right into the great next part of this uh, program, and that is there's about three or four diseases there that I think we highlight them will give people some real insight. We talked about breast cancer. Um, We now know that not only will thermography uh, give you a great insight into whether your cells are stressed or not, now two medical schools have done studies that have shown that high levels of vitamin D3 also are able to reduce the risk of uh, breast cancer by 77 to 80%. And so this is amazing to me that we can find that kind of response from just one nutrient. Mm -hmm. And when you get further into the research on vitamin D, almost every cancer can be prevented significantly with high amounts of vitamin D3, high levels, which by the way, your regular doctor will tell you that if you have levels of 30 to 40, you're okay. Uh, the, the, the clinical research does not show that. It shows that you have to get at least about 50 or 60 nanograms per milliliter and up to 90 before you get these therapeutic values that can help to prevent cancer. And now they're using vitamin D3 to reverse cancer. I mean, we have lots of the really big uh, cancer clinics in the country actually coming out with this evidence. It's not like it's somebody doing a clinic down in their garage or something. Uh, this is the Mayo Clinic. This is uh, Sloan Kettering. Uh, this, these are some of the big organizations. So we now know that diet, especially a plant-based diet and supplements uh, are useful. But the first thing I notice in all of these programs is you have to get rid of the toxins in your body. So a detoxification program for cancer is absolutely necessary because in nine out of 10 cases, toxins played a role. And so there's a lot, do you know any of the good programs? I mean, I know a good one from uh, Metagenics called Clear Change. Do you have any other uh, detoxification programs that you like or you know about? I like Metagenics. Um, and then there's one by Thorne that I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. Um, but Metagenics is usually the one I typically suggest for individuals when they're yeah, going. They and have then, the most science. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that stress and hormones is another thing. But the nice thing is you can actually have a thermogram of, of, of what's happening and your blood tests. And, and then you can actually, three months after you put yourself or get the doctor on this program, then it should be a doctor-guided program, I, I, I should say that. Then you can actually do another thermogram and you can actually see the cells have, have gone away and the blood tests have changed. So you can actually prevent a lot of breast cancer with, with not only just thermography and vitamin D3, but with, the, with a really good plant-based diet and some of the right supplements. And so I, I think women need to know this. And uh, I hope more of them uh, spread the word that are out there listening to the program today. Um, how about diabetes? I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, I mentioned the glycomark test, but do you know anything about the RBC magnesium test? You know, that's the best test for magnesium. 
No, I'm not familiar with that test. Um, you know, when I work with individuals, I move them more into specific diets, and I'm not looking typically at the diagnostics. So I would love to hear more about right. the test. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, actually the the regular magnesium test. The test about one percent of the magnesium levels in your body. So it's not a very good test. And magnesium is really crucial for diabetics, for everybody, even the ones that are uh, that that have weight problems because magnesium transports glucose and oxygen into the cell. Mm -hmm. And so right. if you don't have enough magnesium, you're going to be in big trouble. And so I think those, those tests, the RBC magnesium, the homocysteine, and even the omega-3-6 ratio are really important uh, for, for getting your body in balance. Uh, but again, diet, plant-based diet, uh, doesn't mean no protein, but certainly if you're going to use protein, maybe plants are first, fish are next, and poultry's third. But red meat and dairy, um, they're not actually the best sources. And now there's, there's new studies out confirming that. We'll cover them probably in another program. But exercise, you know, you, you have to get exercise because exercise helps the body to actually detoxify and get the uh, the cells using up the sugar that's there and using it up through getting magnesium into the body. So, you know, you have to make sure you're eating a lot of greens in order to get your magnesium levels up or take a supplement if you can't get it at the high enough level. What do you know about depression? I mean, have you done anything on diet as far as depression goes? Yeah, I'm specifically looking at what's happening within the gut microbiome because you have the gut brain access and there is a chronic absence of good prebiotics and probiotics found within traditional American dietary patterns. In fact, that's part of the reason for, you know, our bigger conversation here of having cells being stressed and weakened and then challenged. And so the lack of good bacteria and quality bacteria plays a huge role within depression um, in the body and in the brain. And so for me, what always comes up, it's not only uh, how do we alter the gut microbiome, through prebiotic foods such as blueberries and leeks and unpasteurized honey, but then also how do we increase the essential fatty acids in the system? So the omega threes and the omega sixes. Um, and looking at stress reduction, and that always brings up some lifestyle medicine interventions of mind body stress reduction, guided imagery, meditation, tai chi, qigong, more of these mind body spirit modalities that really are aimed at not only reducing stress but are showing results with reducing uh, inflammatory markers and then focusing on uh, the magnesium and also on tryptophan, which is an amino acid um, that will help us produce serotonin and counteract the effects of depression. Yeah, serotonin is really cool. There's actually a, a formula that uh, Dr. John Gray came up with called the serotonin shake. And we'll talk about that later too. It's six things that actually increase your serotonin levels and uh, it, it, it's an amazing little formula that I suggest to people that have uh, depression or anxiety. And, you know, I think that the B vitamins are really important, omega-3 oil. And if you're going to take magnesium uh, for any brain-related issues, it should be magnesium 3 and 8. And this 3 and 8 is just a better form of magnesium. And so uh, glycinate's good for lots, lots of other things, but the magnesium 3 and 8 really is preferred for the brain. And finally, with heart disease, uh, I mean, we talked about C-reactive protein, and we've talked about uh, the RBC magnesium, but vitamin C, I mean, vitamin C seems to be the thing that neutralizes all those free radicals that are causing that inflammation. 
that you and I talked about earlier. And so people who have high levels of vitamin C have completely free arteries. I mean, it's just unbelievable. 80-year-old guys and women that have no plaque in their bodies at all because they've been maintaining high levels of vitamin C for years and years and years. So plant-based Mediterranean diet, magnesium, vitamin C, CoQ10, and a special thing we'll talk about more in another program, specialized pro-resolving mediators. It's a derivative of fish oil, and it's so exciting. We're going to learn so much about that in future programs. I think we've only got enough time to mention our sponsors, our advertisers today. Uh, again, we want to thank uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning, uh, helping their clients to stay financially healthy and uh, meet their future and, and uh, personalized health goals. Uh, this is, again, look, look for S Southern Trust Financial Planning. And the best tests out there, the uh, DHA labs, known for their advanced brain chemistry tests, but also now specializing in wellness and immune function tests and cancer tests. And you can get them from your physician or you can get them through Healthy at Work. Or I think Aubrey can probably bring them in too uh, because DHA labs has doctors on, online and they'll actually talk to you and, and get you certified to, to get these tests on your own. Uh, Paddock Pools, the healthiest pools for people of all ages and all swimming levels. It's the best exercise for people and probably the best pools because they have a vacuum extractor that actually helps to take out the chlorine gas and lower the chlorine levels in your body. And that's a really healthy thing. And MPB Healthcare, uh, breaking the status quo. These are challenging times. And so we need companies like MPB Healthcare to have creative solutions. So they're doing so much for wellness compared to other companies but medical cost sharing is an alternative to health insurance and you can actually get your rates reduced by 30 or up to 50 percent by using their program and so i recommend you look at mpb.health all right aubrey thanks again for a great program i hope it uh, went over well with our audience today and i look forward to our next one 